Nation. I did not admit the wheel. I was the crooked smoke adjacent. While the triple sixers laugh. Welcome into another edition of Rich on Personality, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Reed Foster and Andrew Graham. Transcontinental NBA discussion. How fucking exciting is that? Not that exciting, actually. Andrew, we're coming off of Game 5 where the Warriors battled back after Kevin Durant suffered a tragic Achilles injury in the second quarter to go up to extend the series to a Game 6 with the Raptors still up 3-2 to two in the series. What are your initial... Let's first start off with the game. What were your initial impressions coming off of the Game 5? Well, I mean, so it looked like with Durant that there was, I mean, it kind of just proved what we already knew, but if Durant, I mean, Durant played really well. I mean, but if Kevin Durant's playing, this this is not really that close of a series, Um, I think. And so you saw how just vitally important having the best player in the world is, and just kind of made how ridiculous some of these, I know there's a lot of fodder going into these, these sports talk shows and stuff, but this ridiculous conversation that they were somehow better without him and then in response it seemed as if Toronto I don't want to say that they that they froze up or choked but it seemed like winning a title there's a lot of ways that, a lot of things that go into winning a title and one of them is um, a certain level of composure I'm not trying to get a hot takey here but it looks like they kind of froze up and um, the, I was the Warriors sort of coming back from about six down with two and a half minutes left was, was just a really impressive display of composure and um, they just made big shots, which was unbelievable. So I guess my impressions would be that Toronto sort of showed a lot of their inexperience. Um, not not that they not that they completely choked, but it also, also showed that with KD, the Warriors are just significantly better than Toronto. I don't think that's a hot take. I think they'd win easily in five. Uh... I don't agree with that. I think with the healthy Durant, they probably okay, went in four. Enough, I think, no, I, think I said they probably went in four. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, I think that like the the problem is that we haven't. The problem with the Durant version of the Warriors is that he came along in their third season after they'd already won a title, after they'd already set the record for most wins in a season, and they'd already had their consecutive win streak. There wasn't really a whole lot. For the Warriors to accomplish under Kevin Dur- with Kevin Durant with them outside of just winning a title, which I mean that's that's the level of team this is. Where you know anything, it seems like if they stay healthy, a title is just a given. Um, but because they didn't have that motivation of trying, it was never a given before they got Durant. It was never a given that they'd win a title before Durant. They won in six in twenty fifteen, their first title against a team that was basically. The second leading score was Timofey Moskov, and then they lost in seven. But with the but with Durant, it was inevitable. There was this inevitability. That's why the move was such was so frustrating. Well, I, say, I don't. I mean, it like took away any sort of competitiveness. I mean, I still think that like 2016, it was a lot of fun to watch. But I don't think I, I think anyone in their right mind is still coming away from that series saying like. Damn, the Cavs really escaped with one because the Warriors are definitely the best team still, um, and I, I still believe that. And maybe you know, I think you could also argue that the Warriors maybe they lose to the Thunder that year as well. But, but what I'm saying is that like they haven't had the, they haven't needed to fire on all cylinders under Durant all that often. And so 
Whereas we got, whereas the pre-Durant Warriors, we got extended stretches of like 30, 40, a whole season worth of games where they're going balls to the wall and we get to see the full potential of what they're doing. We only get to see it for short spurts and the Durant Warriors, at least in this era. You know, when I think that, you know, we really saw it in the finals against the Cavs the past two years where they just go to another level where you're like, holy shit, there's nothing anyone can do to stop this. Um, I mean, and I would say that, like, I think the level they've reached with Durant is, in my opinion, it's the best basketball team I've ever seen by a pretty substantial margin. Um, and I don't know if that's a hot take at all. No, 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 no. I think we're, I think we're pretty much on the same page here then. I think, but it was just really clear watching Durant play that, that this series is just, not even just entirely different, because that's kind of a dumb, obvious observation, but I don't think that this series would have been close had he played. I just think we were reminded of how amazing Kevin Durant was, and then in parallel with that, just that made his injury even more devastating. That's fair. I mean, I I would be curious to see where this series would be if Clay Thompson didn't miss Game 3, um, because... I mean, prior to him going out, they were it was one one coming out of Toronto, going to back to Golden State. So, and, and then you know, I, I thought Game Four it seemed pretty. It seemed to me like Steph was a little exhausted from having to shoulder so much of the load in Game Three, um, to where it kind of torpedoed their hopes in that game. So I, I mean, and that's the thing is that without Kevin, even without Kevin Durant, I thought if they stayed healthy outside of that, this is still a championship caliber team. You know, it's not like Toronto was playing against some scrubs. I mean, this Warriors team, they beat Houston Game 6 without Kevin Durant. They swept the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals without Kevin Durant. It's not like this is a bad team. But like you said, with Durant, they just reach a whole nother level where it's just not fair to Toronto or really any opponent. Um, and now to your point about the Raptors choking, what I will say is that I thought that, I think that's a little extreme but I thought it was a little... Yeah, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean that they completely choked. I think there was a sense of that things got tight late. I was going to say, I, it was a little weird to me that like with three minutes left, they were up six. I don't know who, who did it, but they took the timeout, and it felt like it was a timeout for like the whole crowd to just like celebrate, like, hey, we're about to win the championship. And it's like, you guys are only up two possessions with three minutes left. Like, this is... This game is far from over. Like, what are you celebrating right now? Yeah, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse said that. Nick Nurse said post game that that the timeout was to give his players some rest for uh, what's worth. And maybe, maybe maybe that didn't ultimately have much effect on things at the end of it. But you know, I don't think that maybe the, maybe the situation got a little tight for Toronto. But I mean, we've seen earlier in this series, and they've had games this postseason where they started out incredibly cold from three. I want to say they started out this game two for fourteen with the two coming from Mark Gasol um, before they, they started to heat up a little bit in the third quarter, which I think was pretty much the same story as it was in Game Four when the Raptors were ice cold from three to begin for the first half, and then the only difference is that the second half of that game they got crazy hot from three, so you kind of forgot about it. Um, so that's why I'm I'm not really worried about the Raptors moving forward in this series. I mean, even if Golden State wins tomorrow night, which they're probably going to be favored for a reason. Um, I just can't see the Raptors being cold from three the next two games after being cold again game five. It just, it seems unlikely to me. 
I mean, I'd be shocked if the Raptors lost. I mean, if they didn't win the title. Um, I mean, especially because, I mean, so Looney, I don't think is going to play. No, he's going to. Um, he re-injured. He's no, going no. to again. Yeah, that's right. We talked about. I mean, like, to what extent is he going to be healthy? Cousins, you know, his body is such an inconsistent variable at this point that he's not in good enough shape, and that's not like his fault. He's just coming off of injury. Um, and then, are you? Can you again rely on someone like Iguodala, who seems to have a, like a, a calf issue as well? Um, Thomas is not one hundred percent. I just don't see them winning three in a row against Toronto. No. Um, With Kevin Durant fully healthy, yeah, they could do that for sure. Um, but that's kind of the that's another reason why the series is such a bummer because we we did probably lose the best player in the NBA. And the thing is, and transitioning to this because I don't know how much more I have left on the game. If you have something, chime in. But we just lost the best player in the NBA for the, all of next season. Maybe the best player in the NBA, one of the best players. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, it doesn't. You know, but I mean, yeah. I just say it. The first thought I had, I can't believe no one has pointed this out, but like, how ironic is it that Kevin Durant has, I mean, just all he's ever wanted, it seems like, is to be loved and loved by NBA fans and respected and all that. And he finally has it because he tore his fucking Achilles. I mean, you talk about great irony. He hasn't been this loved since, like, you're the real MVP speech in Oklahoma. Because he was beloved oh, God. in his early years in Oklahoma City. That was um, uh, such a heartbreaking speech. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a good point. And that's kind of been the tragic thing about Durant. He's, I mean, I can't really judge because I don't know if I'd be the same, the same way in his position. But he, he's so outwardly, um, he so outwardly cares what people think of him. Yeah. Whereas, like, LeBron James clearly does, but he's kind of created all these facades and these sort of industries and these people around him where he can, can sort of try to control the narrative through that. And Durant kind of does that. I think he does, like, the boardroom or something. Is that a thing? I've heard that he does a TV show. He does something with, like, Jay Williams. Maybe. Anyway. Um, um, I couldn't tell you. He just... It's just... It's just... It just it, there's, like, there's a level of just kind of sadness to Durant's sort of need to be loved when he's just never going to be loved by everybody. But, I mean, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, the thing with LeBron is that he's such an example of, you know, everyone said, like, you talk about the contrast between LeBron and Kevin Durant, and that's a great point you made. Um, I think a lot of that just speaks to, you know, I feel like we really want our athletes to be transparent and we want to know what they're actually thinking. But then, like, they let, but then, like, if they let, us see too much of them, we realize that they're actually normal people. We start to not like them anymore, and so I and that's why I don't get mad when LeBron is doing stuff that makes him clearly like it, it feels very fake and forced and all that and contrived. But I can't blame him because otherwise he would get ripped even more, like Kevin Durant. And to ultimately, I think that this I can't. This isn't the case for every athlete ever, but I do think that there is a common thread between a majority of highly, highly, highly successful athletes, the very top of their sport, where there's something driving you to be that great. Because, like, I mean, at a certain point, like, there's, like, LeBron, he has nothing to chase. 
that dude should just be chilling and being really happy right now. He shouldn't be trying to push for more championships and putting his body through all this hell or whatever. Any normal human being wouldn't have done that. They would have gotten the title, they would have gotten their bag, and they would have been chill. They would have been fine. But And that's what separates guys like it's LeBron. Funny. It's, it's funny because... It's funny because that's what Durant did with the Warriors. He's basically like, I want to live in California and I want to win championships and that's what's going to make me happy. (laughs) And then people just shit on him for it. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Um, I mean, mean, could you imagine like if we actually ever got inside the head of Michael Jordan, what kind of fucking thoughts we'd be hearing there? I I guarantee you if Michael were around in this era, he would have so many fucking burner accounts. That or he wouldn't even have a burner account and he would just be saying it to people directly in the, in the IG, like in the DMs. Oh, yeah. Oh, you think my shot's not, not that good? Come say it to my face. Come say it to my face. Because Michael Jordan is a fucking psychopath. I think, we, I think the thing with Michael is we would have gotten, just with the oversaturation of media, just how many times he has to talk to media, he would have said some epic things to the media. Yeah. Um... Because there's yeah. no way in the mid, in the mid, in the '90s he was interviewed nearly as much as he would be now, just on a daily basis. Right, and he would have come off from some practice, and would he come off of some game, just pissed off, and he would have said some really, really controversial shit. Yeah, and he probably would have had like a few select reporters that he liked to leak things to, um, maybe like a windhorse type representative um, behind him. Um, which I mean, not to, not to question who would be, who would be like, you know, so let's say like LeBron has McMenamin and Windhorse, right? That's fair to say. Well, I was going to say like to, to Windhorse's credit, he's not really Cavs guy anymore. And he's, he's done a great job expanding beyond that. So I want to like, just get that out there, but go ahead. No, 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 of course not. Same with McMenamin. Same with McMenamin. No, no, no. This is not a slight to them. Same with, I would say with Durant, like Chris Hayes. Right. Super close to him. It's just clear. Um, who would have been Jordan's guy in the media if we would have planted him now in the um, in 2019? You know what? He would have been like Jordan's go-to, like this guy's connected to Jordan. Do you think, a quick aside, I just realized, um, what do you call it? You know who it would have been? It would have been Newman. Because that's when he was in Space Jam. He was MJ's homie. Yeah. It would have been that guy. Um hmm. I mean, you, you know, it would have been like some, I guarantee you it would have been, uh, it would have had to be a black guy because Michael would have trusted them. Um, actually, I don't know because Michael was about that Republicans buy shoes too, life. Yeah. He, he's probably, he's probably just like a, he's probably, he, he's probably a woke guy. Let's just be fair. Um... Now I have uh, I have some thoughts on the on the Kevin Durant medical stuff. How did you? What was your reaction to how all of the medical stuff has went down with Kevin Durant? Well, it's weird, right? Because like I think my this is my biggest point. I don't know if this has been talked about, so maybe someone's made this point, but I really kind of have stayed off social media. But where and so if someone has brought it. No, I, I promise you, I, I you thought of it first because I just thought of it today. But we we can't just not know and just perhaps not have an opinion. Maybe nothing, no one made a mistake. Maybe just 
is a freak injury. Maybe it was just a complete accident. Now, that's one possibility. But if I had to guess, um, as much as I find him insufferable, Chris Carter made a point. He was like, look, the biggest thing is with, with, the, with, this, with this calf injury, it puts stress on the Achilles, and these athletes are the ones who should be making the ultimate decision. And um, it seemed like KD did get peer pressure. So that, I, my like, opinion is that he wasn't healthy to come back. and he, he, he just made a risk and it ended up backfiring. And I think Bob Myers kind of confirmed that by just being so distraught. Um, but also, can we just say that there's a chance that maybe no one did anything wrong? Uh, I mean, I, I could believe that, but I don't know. I just can't, um, I'm at the point where I just, I can't like, trust. What do you think? Like, what, what, do you, what do you make of the whole situation, the whole process behind it? I think that, um, I think it's really fucked up, honestly. Like, I am... This is, this is as angry as I've been about a sports thing in a long time. Because, I'm sorry, I just don't buy a fucking thing the Warriors staff is telling us. I don't, like, Bob Myers can, like, can miss me with those crocodile tears. He can go fuck off with what, what, what they fucking did here. Uh, I mean, Rachel Nichols told us, I mean, these things, everyone's telling us after the game, you know, it's, uh, it was a collaborative decision between KD and the medical staff and Kerr and all that. But... Rachel Nichols told us after the game, in the post-game report, that KD made that decision under the impression that he could not further he could not further the injury by playing on it. That was the impression he got yeah. from the Warriors medical staff. So the second I hear that, all your fucking credibility goes right out the window because very clearly that is not true. I don't like you can say it was a freak injury. I'm just not fucking buying it. 12 minutes, like you pay 12 minutes and then you immediately injure it in the same fucking spot. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence at all. And no, you're right. I mean, I mean, the more you think about it, right? I mean, it's, it's, you had people literally talking about for the last week and a half. If he, if he's not healthy and former players were saying this and medical professionals, if he's not healthy, the biggest risk is that he could tear his Achilles. It's not that he's going to re-injure his calf, right? Right. It's not going to be strong enough or stable enough that he's going to tear his And you're right. Sure, sure enough, this exact same, the same thing happened. So, I mean, the most plausible thing is that. So now the real question is did the medical staff genuinely think that he was healthy, or did someone like Bob Myers say, you have to clear him? I think they just said they had to clear him. And also, there's a difference. So between- you're, Myers, you're saying Myers um, and whomever is. Making that decision basically said you have to clear him. I mean, also like there's a there's a big distinction between a guy being cleared to play and it being a good decision. Because like obviously Kevin Durant could yeah. play, like he he could play. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so I I just got done reading a m- month or so ago uh, a book called Breaks of the Game, which followed the Portland Trailblazers in the late '70s. And in it, one of the stories is Bill Walton was. He was always about, I'm not taking painkillers. I'm not taking these shots. And then one time... Except for like the copious amounts of pot that he was smoking, but continue. Right, right. He means like, like opioids and all that. Yeah, I mean, th- there's some hip- hypocrisy there for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's, it should be noted that he was taking painkillers. Right. Um, and so he, he injured his foot. And then there was like a big playoff game. And they convinced him that 
the doctors convinced him that if he played on it and they just shot him up, it'd be totally fine and nothing would happen. He goes out and he fractures, he breaks his foot in so many fucking places that he has to delay his rehab another year. So that's what we're dealing with. And we're, we didn't even bring up, like, what about the fact that Kavon Looney, they told this dude, hey, you can play. It's not going to get re-aggravated. It's not a big deal. And then what happens the first game he comes back? He fucking re-aggravates it. So that means we have two fucking people, we have two players that they might be lying to. And, I mean, let's just, let's just face it. Yeah, I mean, this, what, this has a potential disastrous look. I mean, and let me ask you this, like, especially for Looney and Durant, two guys who are unrestricted free agents. Looney, it seems like he'll probably come back. Durant, it's felt like he's been out the door for a while. I mean, if you're Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, you and everyone else involved with the Warriors, you're thinking, you know what? Who cares if Kevin Durant tears his Achilles? He's gone next year anyway. And that's a disgusting way to think, but that's probably how they are thinking. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm trying to give them a bit of humanity, a bit of um, a bit of credit. Um, see, that's your, that's your problem. You can't give right. any credit to these fucking teams. The second you start to give them I'm not, credibility I'm not, I'm not for giving, caring, I'm not giving them the. I'm not saying that they're acting. I'm not saying that they're acting out of generosity. That they're not being selfish. I totally agree with your basic premise. I just don't think Bob Myers was like, fuck it, he's leaving. Let's risk him getting injured. Uh, because maybe, let's think of it from a selfish perspective. Like, Bob Myers wants to recruit other free agents eventually. And if he completely burns the bridge with Durant and the rest of these people, then it's gonna. It's kind of like what happened with... It's on a, it's a, I'm being a much grander scale of what happened with Isaiah Thomas in Boston, where certain free agents are like, why the fuck would I play with you? You treat our players like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's part of it, but I mean, also, I think that Bob Myers feels that if the Warriors finish out their title and they've won four out of five and they're going into a sexy new arena in the place where there's more money than anywhere else in the world, I think that's a pretty good sell for, for most free agents. And if you already got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, no, and Draymond Green, I mean, how many free agents do you need to get? Do you know what's funny is I think, I think that this increases... Well, I mean, unless Durant is basically just like, fuck every single person in this organization, I'm leaving. This probably increases his likelihood of coming back. Oh, it definitely does. Um, I mean, I was telling you, I think unless, that... Unless, unless, unless he's basically like, you fuckers pushed me into this injury, and I'll never forgive you for that. Which is, again, I think a reasonable opinion for him to have. I don't know the ins and outs of the situation. But I think this makes it more likely that he's basically like, all right, give me a four or five year deal. And also, um, another thing. It's not just it's not just that they cleared him or whatever. Let's say that they did that and it's clear and everything was fine. The plan bringing him back was so stupid and was not like yeah. I don't know how you could have thought this was a good idea. Say like basically saying we're going to take him out when he's tired. Like I'm not sure if you guys understand this. This was not a cardiovascular injury. This was an injury to his calf. You don't want to overstretch the muscle. That has nothing to do with whether he's tired or not. Um it was a really dumb decision on the part of a group of people who, by all accounts, are really intelligent. It just makes no sense how right. someone like Kerr, someone like Myers, um, who, by all accounts, have shown to be quite calculated, um, reasonable thinking people, just completely had a mental gap like this. It's unexplained. Like it doesn't make any sense. That's another thing. It's like it doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense. Yeah, it's the it's the Chewbacca defense from South Park. Did you ever see that episode? 
It's the Chewbacca defense. They got... Um, and there's an episode where Chef was suing someone and the the people got Johnny uh, yeah, Cochran. Like I've said, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is Chewbacca. He lives on the planet Endor. This does not make sense. Um, it, is the, it is the Chewbacca defense. Exactly. It makes absolutely no sense. Now, I, I've done some... I've been I don't doing, get it. <laughs> the... Um, I've been doing some reading on... The, you know what's ironic, actually, is today is the 25th anniversary of the O.J. murder. So... And we bring up Johnny Cochran's incredible. You mean the murder that O.J. was acquitted of? Right. The um, the deaths of his ex-wife. I heard a story today yeah. that was like the death of Nicole Brown Simpson and her friend. I think they were more than friends. Um, yes. Yes, they were. By the way, Chef, quick, um, by the way, if you haven't seen um, People vs. O.J. Simpson on Netflix, definitely watch it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, um, the thing that was on FX. It's uh yeah, it's amazing. It's so fucking funny watching like David Schwimmer as uh what do you call it, Rob Kardashian? Schwimmer kills it. Yeah, I mean the, the whole thing is just so absurd. Um, well, I mean like Rob Kardashian was kind of an absurd figure, so yeah, I mean, we got some great OJ content that year because that was the same year the um, the E six the uh, no the thirty for thirty came out like the five parter. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been doing some research on it and it. From what I can tell, it, it seems reasonable that Kevin Durant, after a year of rehab, could come back and be relatively the same offensively for the next two to four years. Right, and I, I think that's I think that's very possible. I think Durant has also suffered some pretty serious injuries and come back from them. I mean, there's questions four or five years ago about his feet. He had two pretty serious foot injuries, and he's seven feet tall. I mean, I've Stood next to KD, he's huge. He's he was a, he's been the tallest guy on his team. I mean, let me ask you this: can play for he's a big dude. Oh, um, I don't want to I don't want to interrupt you, but um, real quick, you mentioned the feet. Do you think there's a possibility yeah. that the Achilles and the calf stuff are linked to his feet here? God knows, man. I don't. I make probably. I mean, look, he's seven feet tall, and it's really difficult. On your body to be seven feet tall. He's actually been surprisingly durable for a seven footer. Bill Walton was the perfect example. He was just too big. Yeah, Shaq. Well, Shaq got a bit overweight, but like, yeah. Well, Bill Walton also had like his feet were just designed so poorly. He had the worst yeah. feet you could possibly have to play basketball. Well, besides like Greg Oden, whose one leg was an inch bigger than the other. Damn. Do you remember that? I did not know that. Yeah, but he's like he's he's uneven. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. So not Greg Oden was both meant to be a basketball player and also he should never have been near athletics. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. But you know you know what yeah. though, like if you're a mutant, which if you're seven feet tall, you're basically a mutant. Um, mutants sometimes come out weird. That's the way it works. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm a. I'm a, I'm a solid six feet with shoes on, so I wouldn't know. Now, I think – tell me if you think this is fair. Do you think that Durant, to uh, to stay where he is offensively, do you think that there's going to be a greater need for him to have a point guard or – at this point, it doesn't really matter, but like someone who can facilitate the ball to him and, and easier spots to get shots up. Do you think that's a bigger deal for him now or 
Do you think he's going to no, be mostly fine? No, it's funny. Actually, I think, I think Golden State's now the best fit for him, right? Because he's going to have a guy like Steph who I think can facilitate. He doesn't have average that many assists, but he can really facilitate. And also, he can run high pick and rolls with him. Because let's just say Durant loses a step, right? But he's still a world-class shooter, a world-class scorer. And so he'd be running high pick and rolls with Durant, with Thompson on the wing. Now, do you think that... I mean, I mean that is point. Golden State, I mean, now, don't you... Yeah, I mean, I, I think Golden State, a system like that would make a lot of sense. Where he could be right. a stationary shooter at some points. Also, he can make up for some of the money that he's going to lose from the uh, New York City endorsements. Because um, they were talking about this today. I watched the, like, I don't know, I don't really watch the show, but I watched a bit of First Things First with uh, Nick Wright and uh, Chris Carter, and they, they were just talking about the amount of money that he lost from advertisements who were, gonna, who were anticipating that he was going to play next year in New York. Yeah, he, he definitely um, lost out there. And so if I, so he also, because of, because the, the Warriors can offer him more money, he, might, he could just go back on a longer term deal. Basically, just guarantee his next four or five years. Maybe I don't. I don't see that happening. I don't either. But I'm saying it's becoming more of a possibility than it ever was. Now, do you think that the how does do you think this at all changes the way Anthony Davis, the Anthony Davis sweepstakes move forward? Because no, I think Anthony Davis is going to LA. You think? So, because like at yeah, this point, yeah. I can't see Anthony Davis re-signing with the Knicks without a healthy Kevin Durant. No, he, he, Anthony Davis came out today, and Rich Paul said this. Rich Paul said, "If Boston trades for us, we're leaving after a year." Oh wait, was that that in the in the SI thing? Yeah, he said it today. Damn, I should probably he, have read that. He was basically like, "Look, Boston can trade for us, but we're leaving." But then he was also like, "We are going to explore free agency, no matter what." And sure, I'm not sure I quite believe that because I think. He, he goes to the Lakers. He'll stay in LA. Um, but it seems very clear. And also, you know, trading for him now, if you're the Knicks, with the idea that Durant's sitting out a year, why would you do that? If you're the Knicks, and let's say Durant comes anyway, right? Why would you? I mean, if you can get Anthony Davis, fine, and you can guarantee he's going to resign. But maybe you just sit back a year. Maybe you get the number one overall pick. I mean, you let Barrett play. You keep R.J. Barrett for a year instead of just giving him up right away. R.J. Barrett could be a really good player. Um, and then you kind of assess where you are, where guys like Knox, Robinson, um, where all these players are, you know? So it changes so much. And then, again, also with Brooklyn, like, is, if he's going to go to Brooklyn, is Kyrie going to go to Brooklyn? Uh, it, he, he changes every aspect of the free agency. I don't. I think with Brooklyn, it's not as big of a risk if the if the main player you're trading is D'Angelo Russell on a sign and trade because I think both you and I would agree that that Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell as a backcourt is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not even feasible from a functional point. It can't really function. We yeah. have good players, so something can happen, but it's not really a functional backcourt. Yeah, I mean, like I would take it for the Hornets, but. You know, I take any kind of compliments. Yeah, right. Um, um, you're you guys are gonna pay Kemba Walker like a trillion dollars, so it's fine. That's right. Yeah, and he gets uh, a key to the city. Never a playoff yeah. game again. No, that's 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 a, he has a he has a no playoff clause in his contract. Right. Um, now, do you think that? 
what I'm curious about now is, you know, let's say let's say that the Warriors, wh- what could they do if they re-sign Clay and they re-sign Draymond? If Kevin Durant walks, like how much can they? Do you know how much cap space they would have? Well, they have a limited amount because they can go over the cap with Durant. That's one of the things, and this is kind of the both the pros and cons of having a free agent who you have their rights to. You can go over the cap to sign them, but also you don't get as much cap space if they leave. Ah, uh, so um, they will not have a lot of cap space. They basically, what I'm trying to say is, they won't not they won't just instantly have a max slot. But they would be able to like. If Tobias Harris was willing to take like a one-year, like twenty-five million dollar deal, yes, I think that, like, I don't know if they could pay Tobias Harris twenty-five million dollars. I think they could. What about twenty-three? Um, I think t- or twenty. I don't know. I mean, I'd have. I, yeah, I mean, maybe as much as they could, um, and that seems to be like kind of their play at this point. I mean, because I have... look. I mean, look the Durant thing. If you're the Warriors, to be honest with you. The best scenario is he comes back because also you're not going to have a lot of space, um, especially because you're going to have to give Clay five years and re-up Draymond. You might as well just back, run back that team and then just hedge that Durant is going to be there healthy for the next two or three years. That I, if you're Golden State, obviously you'd like to do that. I mean, I think that I, I think you've brought this up before, but you know, I don't think that it's some like guarantee that if Kevin Durant leaves next year that the Warriors are magically going to fall down and not going to be contenders anymore. Um, you know, if, if Kevin Durant leaves, if the Lakers get Anthony Davis, then we start to have some real conversations about maybe they, they're the favorite in the West. But if Anthony Davis doesn't go to the Lakers and Kevin Durant leaves, I don't see anyone beating Golden State still. Houston's a big threat. Um, I think with with Chris Paul being 100 years old, it's a bit difficult. Right, because like um, you're still cl- trying to close the gap of like I think you and I would both agree that Steph is significantly better than James Harden. And if you're gonna have the best player in the series, um, I don't know. If he's, I don't think he's significantly better than James Harden. Like that's almost impossible for any player. Like, James Harden's really fucking good. Right, but I mean, I think it's like. I think that Steph is one of the five to ten best players of all time, and I think that James Harden is oh, probably like okay. twenty-five to thirty-five range, maybe like forty. I, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, he's won like a bunch of MVPs now, so like he's won. Well, he's gonna have one. No, I guess he's only won one MVP, but he's been top two of yeah, MVP. He should have won two. He should. He's gonna he be like won that year when that Russ won. Right. So he's gonna be like top two MVP, like three or four straight years or something. I mean, that's an unbelievable run. And so I don't want to like, yeah. I don't want to poop on Harden or anything. I just think that these playoffs have shown us that like Steph is really fucking amazing. And there's a reason why we are talking about him as the best player in the world until the 2016 collapse. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm on, I'm on the exact same page. Um, I guess the, the, the sort of kind of, Circle back to the actual game. What are you What are you thinking about? What's going to happen in Game Six? Because I really have no idea. I mean, I'm I, I I have a strong sense 
this is my theory, and this might be wrong, and this might be too simplistic, but I think either the Raptors win by over 10, or the Warriors win a really close game. I think either the Warriors will, because I think the Raptors will play well. And it'll be interesting to see how well the Warriors play, but I think that there's a there's a chance that they could get kind of run out of the gym. I know it's the last game ever at Oracle, and I know narrative-wise it makes more sense for them to win, and, and they're incredibly talented, but I have, I have a feeling that the Raptors could stop them. I was trying to use the right um, dinosaur analogy, but I can think of one. So. Right. Well, I mean, Raptors wouldn't really stop you because Velociraptors are, they're not actually that large relative to human beings. They're more yeah, like I, chicken I was, size. What would, I, I just, my brain froze. Like, what would I have said? You know, like... They'd fucking bite you, I guess. Chomp their, biting you. chomp their head off. Um. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I don't know, this is a quick aside, but like... But what do you think of that? I mean, don't you think? Do you think that the, the the name Raptor loses some of its bite when you take out the Velosa? Because I think Velociraptor makes it sound so much more badass than Raptor. Maybe that's just maybe that's a hot take of mine. It would be it would be it would be much better if they were the Toronto Velociraptors. I agree. Or if they were the Vancouver Velociraptors. Like, commit to the type of Raptor. Exactly. Exactly. Don't don't do this half-ass bullshit. Um. No, I could. I'm not really sure about it's how this like, game's going. It's kind of like it's kind of like if the Pelicans were the birds. Exactly. They're like no, they're not the they're birds. The Pelicans. Um, I don't really know. I don't know how I see the, how I see this game going because I I, just, I don't see Golden State playing poorly. I just think Steph and Clay have and Draymond have too much. We're not going out like this in them. And that, I mean, that's what we saw like at the end of Game 5. Yeah. They could have easily laid down, and no one would have blamed them. They would say, you know what? Kevin Durant's gone. This is a great team they're playing. No one's judging you if they if you bow out and you lose that game. But Steph and Clay said, you know what? We're not fucking losing because we're champions, and we are great players. So I would be surprised if Golden State did not come out and at least play pretty hard for a half. Um and as has been the case in this series, it will likely be decided by how the third quarter goes. You know, when Toronto wins the third quarter, they win the games. And when the Warriors win the third quarter, they win the games. So it's probably going to come down to that. Right. And it will come down to will the Raptors hit open shots or not? Because that's pretty much been what they've been all it's year. It's also going to come down to how many points can you get from outside of Clay and, and, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you you need need at least sixty to seventy points from those two combined. Yeah, and then how many are you going to get outside? Can you get thirty or forty more points from the other guys? Mm, maybe. Now, what do you like? Do maybe, you think yeah, that? But that's but again, that's another reason why Durant's absence is so huge because of course you can with Durant. And well, and also I don't. I don't even know what the best strategy for Golden State is. Because before the series, I would have told you they need to just keep running it up up and down the floor. But Toronto has reached a level of comfort in their fast break this series that I haven't seen out of them ever. Um, I mean, they're just dominating the fast break. They look so comfortable. They are... I mean, they, they are, they're one of the best passing teams I've ever seen where they make a pass that looks kind of awkward and yet it ends up in the exact... Correct spot where their uh, where their teammate is moving. So, yeah. but the flip side of that is that if Golden State tries and plays slow, you're just inviting the big men to dominate, and Toronto's big men are a lot better than Golden State's big men in this series. 
also is um, Toronto does a sort of really brilliant job of um, I, guess, I guess you would say like the art of the hockey assist making um, sort of the pass before the assist I guess you would call that a hockey assist but I think Toronto exactly. moves the ball really well I think they have a good idea of the, the hierarchy in which the ball moves and it's not, not that basketball or sports is always so rigidly hierarchical but in many ways it is like you have your guy who's your alpha and then you have subsequent players who fit their specific spots and toronto each player knows what they need to do right and um, and, they, and, they do, and they do it really well it's a great system because it's a system that has been clearly built around the strengths of the players around them and to your point about the hockey assists Right. Doesn't it feel like so many times one of their big men, it'll be like a Baco or a Gasol, will get it in the post. And it'll look like someone is open in the corner for three. But they'll pass it out to the wing, wing player, who then makes the pass to the corner three. So the three, so the corner three is wide open versus it being somewhat contested before. I mean, that is a very small difference. But is that kind of those are the kinds of margins that separate... Those are the kind of margins that separate Toronto from Philadelphia or Milwaukee from being here right now. Well, it's it's what makes Serge Ibaka and Marcus Ali, even outside their prime, really great and valuable players. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that – hopefully this series, something that people take – something that opposing teams take away from it is that you start to value intelligent players more than you would normally. Which isn't to say that like teams are actively saying, let me get the dumbest motherfucker out there. But, you know, I, I think like intelligence can be undervalued in basketball. Oh, I think I think intelligence is um, Yeah, I mean especially when it comes to um, late season acquisitions. And I mean, you've seen this time and again that these late season acquisitions at the trade deadline, whether it's through even free agency um, makes a huge difference, and it's also not, we all, we sometimes see the trade deadline as a way for so we'll look at it from the prism of oh how can Memphis because it's it's fun to think of future assets right so like what picks did Memphis get or where are they going to get for Conley? What's equally as interesting to see like where guys like Mike Conley and, and guys like Mike Marcus all we we never think that they're going to sh- actually shape the the most important things in the NBA and they are and someone like Conley could do it again next year I completely agree um, and I'll, I mean there is part of you that wonders like if you're Memphis there, there, I think there is some value towards keeping a guy like Mike Conley to teach John Morant and teach Jaron Jackson the third or Jaron Jackson Jr. sorry how to be a pro and those that little minutia that you know, I think it does. It sounds different coming from a fellow player versus a coach. That you know, maybe you wonder if he's got an agenda. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that again, that, and that's and that just creates a workplace environment too. That it's a bit easier to work in. Right. Um, all right. So I know you got to go. So before we leave, let's just wrap up quickly. What is your prediction for Game Six? Um. I'm going to predict the – I was predicting before you said that 117-109, and I'm going to stick with that. So we're both predicting eight-point Raptors victories. 
If there is a Game 7, we will be back. This is Rich on Personality. Reed Foster, Andrew Graham. Listen to that shit.